black thing go from left to right, and I thought, I'm going to die out here. No one's ever going to know. I couldn't believe what my eyeballs were showing me. I'll never forget how evil the eyes were. It was horrible. I mean, I've never seen nothing that evil. It ran towards me at a, at a rate that I, I, I can't even explain. Turned and stared at me. And this look of, I just want to kill you. I want to say it was human, but it wasn't. He was, he, was, he was yelling at me to grab a gun, grab a gun. I was like, for what? He said, just grab a gun. And there's footprints all the way to the door of my house. It had went inside my garage all the way to the door. 
And I would just take them out, get them point, point A to point B. Uh, if they wanted to go fish, we'd fish. Or if they wanted to do mileage, we'd do mileage. So it just it was a pretty standard, pretty standard trip for this go around. Well, I guess it's worth noting. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention some some places. Um, so the for anybody that knows the area, um, the maps that we use are called Fisher maps. They're made by the WA Fisher Company. Uh, these maps are circa 1983, and I think they're the ones they're still using. Uh, they're not entirely accurate because um, they're not really made so much for, you know, real navigation. But um, anyway, uh, I'll be referencing those maps, and it'll make a little more sense to anybody that, that has one. So anyway, this particular trip, this was, um, this was a 10-day trip, uh, and it was right around night seven uh, that we started having something, you know, interesting happen. Um, and so that night, uh, we... Well, we came in, we were, we had had to amend our trip because the boys just weren't physically big enough to do the mileage they wanted. So I uh, decided to show them a waterfall out there. Um, and waterfalls are kind of tough to come by in that area. It's relatively flat. So we went and found this waterfall. It's called Eddie Falls. And we hiked into it, messed around there for a minute. And then we camped pretty close to the waterfall uh, on the next lake over, which was the south arm of Knife Lake. Um, there's there's like middle knife, upper knife, and then the south arm, um, and they're like three kind of long finger lakes that hang out right next to each other. So we were on the south arm. Uh, we were camped right near the the waterfall. Like I said, we could even hear the waterfall uh, from camp. Um, so that night we were we were you know in bed asleep. Uh, it was probably two or three in the morning, just based on how dark it was because out there it's in the midsummer, you don't get full dark until probably 1130 and it doesn't, you know, start to start to get light again pretty early. So just based on the fact that it was fully dark, I would say it was probably between, you know, two and four o'clock in the morning. Um, when this happened, uh, I was asleep in my hammock and I would generally set up my hammock, like pretty far away from, from where my crew was, uh, just like to have a little space at night and read my book or whatever. And, uh, I would usually just string my tarp up, um, throw a tarp over my head rather than, you know, pitching it like outright, um, just to keep the dew off of me. It wasn't going to rain that night. So I'm covered. My head's covered. Uh, I'm in my hammock and I wake up and I hear it sounded like sobbing. It was like a woman kind of sobbing, kind of like, I don't even know how to explain it, like in between cries, kind of that kind of breathing, real rapid sound, you know? And I could hear this off toward my feet out in the brush and I can hear the footsteps as well. There's footsteps coming with the sound uh, and they're coming kind of in the direction of my feet, but off to the left also. Uh, so it's actually kind of moving more toward where my crew is camped at uh, in the main campsite. But I'm listening to it and trying to place it uh, because the footsteps just weren't they were weird. It just sounded, it sounded like two, you know, two feet, like it was on two feet. Um, cause I've listened to bears move and they're, you know, they're not very distinct about the way they move. They're just kind of, you know, crash through. I'm sure you've heard bears and moose are the same way. I mean, moose are huge, you know, you know, it's a moose coming usually. And, uh, so I'm listening to it and I'm like, I thought it was a person, you know, when I, was sitting there listening to it because nothing else made any sense. Um, but I'm laying under the tarp and I'm trying to, I can't see any light. There's no, you know, I can't see any light coming through the tarp. So whatever it is, is in full dark, which I thought was really interesting because it's, it's thick brush out there and brambles. And it's just, you know, it's not, it's not manageable in the light, much less pitch black. So I'm laying there and listening to it. And I kind of listen to this thing as it moves through, uh, through camp. So it, I actually heard the pads of its feet move from like the the brush and all the, the pine straw and the sticks and all that and onto the rock, the granite, just kind of hard hard packed dirt and granite of the campsite. And that's when I could really hear the weight of whatever it was kind of stepping through the site there. And so I listened to it. I was probably, I don't know, I was 50 to 100 yards off from the site. Um, and I could hear it that far away. That's how heavy it was. And I listened to it as it pretty much came straight through camp. And it was heading directly toward where I was set up in my hammock. So now I'm still laying there. I'm trying to decide 
what to do because I'm kind of, you know, I'm thinking bear, um, at least bear protocol for whatever it might be. And so I'm just, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm going to lay still and, you know, maybe to move on, uh, what have you. And I listened until this thing got up. I mean, right next to me, it was on my left side. Um, and it was just standing. I could feel the body presence of it just standing right next to the hammock. And, uh, cause I woke up, I woke up before with bears next to the hammock and they're pretty obvious, but this thing was, you know, pretty silent other than loud breathing, you know, I had a really kind of a raspy breathing and, um, so I could hear the breathing and I could just feel that it was just standing there kind of looming over me. And I was like, what, you know, what is this? Um, so I decided, all right, you know, something's up. So I threw the tarp off and when I threw the tarp off, uh, my left hand actually struck it, um, the body of this thing. And I hit it like right in the chest because I could just feel this pure muscle. Like, you know, like if you were to, you know, hit a strong man in the chest, just that kind of solid bulk muscle. It wasn't fat. It was just solid muscle and it was covered in, in hair. Like, I mean, at the time, honestly, I had, I had kind of long hair and, you know, a big beard. And after seven days on the trail, it kind of felt a lot like my hair did at the time. I have really coarse hair. Um, and it gets super, you know, knotted and, uh, matted down. And that's kind of what this thing felt like, but it was even thicker than that. The hair was just, uh, it was just incredibly coarse. And, um, you know, it was just, it was hairy. This thing was really hairy. And so as, as my hand hit it, um, I got to touch it for maybe a second. It was very quick. Uh, this thing took off back down toward my feet and back into the brush. And I just heard it, you know, crash on through the brambles down at my, at my end. So I'm fishing around for my headlamp, find my headlamp, get up, uh, looking around, no sign of anything at all, except you could see clearly where it had gone through all the brush. So I start thinking about it and I'm like, all right, you know, trying to think logically um about it and i'm like all right maybe one of these big instructors got up or one of the big uh, scoutmasters got up and you know maybe he's got a hairy chest or something and i just was half asleep so i go over to camp and i'm doing head counts and they they slept through the whole thing none of them woke up for it uh so they were all sound asleep so got to exclude them and so i was like all right well you know maybe it was a bear you know who knows so i just you know because what else do you think you know and so I got back in the hammock and uh, just kind of laid there and read a book till morning. And uh, it was probably like another hour and a half till the sun came up. Um, once the sun was up, I got up and did around through camp to see if I could find any tracks at all. And there was nothing because, like I said, it's pretty hard packed dirt and granite. Uh, really difficult to determine anything. So I couldn't find any prints but uh, or any kind of tracks. But I did find the definite path where it had crashed through going out at my feet and i mean it's it was thick bramble uh for this and this thing was out of earshot so quickly uh, i remember that being something that i was really amazed by how fast it was just gone i couldn't hear it anymore just kind of dumbfounded and uh so i was just like all right well you know not gonna you know not gonna say much i, I told the crew that we had had a bear in camp the previous night because that's pretty much what i you know attributed it to and kind of went from there. I was like, we'll just be real careful with our food at the next site. And, uh, so we packed up and we started heading on. And so this would be night eight, uh, Robbins Island. So Robbins Island, you can find on, uh, it's on one of the maps. So the Fisher maps that I'm using are F10 and F11, which makes sense for anybody that has those. Uh, but Robbins Island is on one of those two maps. So this is about 22 miles down, down the lake, uh, the South arm from where we were the night before. Uh, so we're kind of like midway down the South arm of knife camp on this small island there's two uh there's two campsites on the island there and campsites are designated by a fire grate and a uh a grumper which is just a toilet um we call it the grumper so anyhow um that's how you know it's you know you can camp there so we decided to settle on the island i was like less chance of bears potentially if we're on this small island uh so you know we settle in get there um and I had the uh, I had the boys working on camp set up. I had the two adults working on cooking dinner with the camp stove, and then I was going to get fire. So I'm out gathering firewood. I was probably no more than a quarter mile down from camp, which is kind of on a a dead end 
little trail, maybe a game trail or something. Um, but people had been using it to collect wood. It was pretty obvious, but there was tons of deadfall back there. So it was, you know, really easy pickings. So I'm back there and I'm collecting up firewood and, uh, I hear off to my left side, I can't see over there. That's why I said it's so thick, but over to my left, I hear a scream. Um, and there's been a few, I wish I could remember which sound it was that I've, I've heard on YouTube. Uh, that was really close. Um, but I mean, it was loud. I've never heard anything like it. Um, and it, it stopped me dead in my tracks. I mean, it stopped me and it kind of, I don't say it knocked the breath out of me, but it, I involuntarily almost like barked back at it. Like it just kind of took me by such surprise that I just made a noise, an involuntary sound. Uh, it was really strange. And so I listened to it. I mean, I couldn't move. I was paralyzed. And it screamed a second time, and this thing's coming closer from my left, almost like it's just kind of hauling toward me. And I'm, I'm like, this, this might be it right here. <laughs> it's like I, I don't even, I just didn't know what to do. Um, but I'm standing there listening to it. It screams a second time, louder, angrier sounding. Uh, then it goes a third time, and a fourth time, and it's getting closer each time it does this. By the fourth and the fifth one, um, it's. Yeah, I was pretty amazed when I first heard about you guys' encounter, um, the way you described like it like you got hit in the chest almost, you know. Yeah. And, and then it did take the air out of me. That that fourth and fifth one just completely took the air out of me. And I just didn't know, you know, I, I wanted to puke, was dizzy, had no idea what was going on until, you know, I started doing research and learning about infrasound and all that type of thing. But man, it just it's it just rattles you, it rattles your cage. Yeah. But it, it screamed about like five times probably before I kind of like snapped to, and I was like, all right, I got to get back to camp, make sure my crew's all right. So I uh, run back without the wood pile and they're all kind of standing around just like, what the hell is that? And you know, what do you tell, you know, what do you tell a bunch of 11, 12 year old boys that you're in China? And I had no idea what to tell them. I told them it was a wild boar. I made something up. They don't have wild boar up there. That's why I chose that. But these guys are from Oklahoma and the two scoutmasters knew immediately that that was not a bore. Um, I pulled them aside and I had to tell them that I didn't know. I had no idea uh, what it was. So camp that night, uh, I stayed pretty close to camp. Actually, I was uh, I was pretty scared. Um, but I mean, you know, because we, we had listened to this and scream probably 13, 14 times total. Um, and it seemed like it was kind of right through a grove of trees somewhere on, I guess, our part of the island. I'm not sure exactly. But I mean, it was. It's horrifying um so we didn't sleep all that well that night uh but night nine um so this was the i decided to kind of change it up for these guys a little bit and um we decided to do a night battle because nights were starting to get kind of intense and i guess they were all kind of feeling it and i was like all right guys we're gonna rest today uh we'll sleep it off in the sun and fish all day eat and then pack up and head out at night and paddle almost the rest of the way back to, to base camp. So we did that. We uh, had a really, you know, really mellow day. Nothing at all happened. Um, and then we left around 9 or 10 that night, uh, packed up everything, and we headed out. We probably did, we were going southwest back toward base. We did probably another 30, 35 miles. And you have to come through a you go through from Newfound Lake to Moose Lake, um, which Moose Lake is where our base camp is, and Newfound is connected to Moose by a really tiny pinch. So you can paddle between the two of them, but it's pretty narrow. You gotta you gotta hit it straight on because this is pretty shallow water right through there. It's kind of one to two feet deep. Fully loaded canoe, you'll bottom out if you're not dead center through this thing. It's probably 50 yards wide at the most. It's, it's not not a very large channel, uh, so. 1, 2 a.m. probably, we're, uh, we're coming through there. We're shooting pinch right through the middle. Uh, I'm in the lead canoe sitting in the back of it, steering it through there, showing everybody else where to go. And as we're right in the middle of this, a rock comes out of the, the right bank. And, I mean, when I say a rock, this thing was, like, probably the size of, like, a basketball or a bowling ball. I mean, it was, it was a very large rock, kind of a boxy-shaped rock. And it had, it had an arc to it. I mean, this thing was, I don't know, probably... 15, 16 feet in the air at the height of its arc. And it 
kind of had an arc and it flew way out all the way out to the middle to where we were and it landed right in front of the canoe i mean if we'd been two feet ahead it would have swamped the canoe because they were kevlar canoes it would have crushed it so it just i was just dumbfounded had no idea what to think and uh i mean yeah it just i was like i was like i don't know i was like i don't know guys i was like paddle we're going to the middle of the lake so we got out in the middle of moose lake and we <laughs> tied off everything together and dropped an anchor and we we stayed out in the middle of the lake all night because I didn't know what else to do. And I mean, it's that area. There's, there's no way that it would have been like, uh, you know, it didn't roll off of a cliff. There's no cliff right there. It's just trees. And this place is accessible by, you know, canoe and float plane. Really. We were kind of near the motor trail, but not to the point where people are going to be sitting out there with, I don't know, like a trebuchet, like what, you know what I mean? Like what else would it be? Um, and I just couldn't figure it out. I had no idea um, what to think about any of it. Uh, and neither did they. So we, we slept all night kind of in a flotilla out there. And we, um, you know, we went back into base the next day and uh, we didn't really talk about it. They didn't want to talk about it. I didn't think I was really ready to talk about it because we weren't really sure what to think. Um, and so I was just going to kind of write it off as, as weird. And um, so I was, you know, at base camp and I said goodbye to my crew and the next day kind of in between trips, you would work on base and do some kind of maintenance style duties. Uh, so it was that next day I was in the canoe yard and, uh, a buddy of mine came back off of, uh, off a trail and I had not seen him in a while. We trained together when we first got there and we were both from, uh, from down South. So, you know, we were kind of good buddies and, um, I was just going to talk to him. So I was helping him put a canoe away and you could just see on his face that, that something was, was off, just kind of, you know, kind of the scene of ghost look. And so I asked him, you know, how his trip was. And of course I'd not told him about any, anything that happened with us. And I said, you know, how was your trip? And he said, he said, it was really good. Uh, until they were, um, on their second to last night, they were camped on Birch Lake, which is right in the same area as Knife Lake. We were, I mean, pretty close. Uh, one of their, adult advisors one of the scout masters got up to go to the grumper which like i said is a toilet they call it the grumper because the bugs are so bad up there um nobody ever wants to go use it but uh so he said he'd gone up there to go to the grumper and he had just sat down he said no sooner he sat down than a gorilla ran across the path in front of him that's what he called it he said a gorilla ran across the path in front of him and that it had to have been like nine feet tall um this is based on the you know, on the report from the, the scoutmaster, but yeah, nine foot tall gorilla on two legs that it ran across the path in front of him. Just absolutely scared him to death. Uh, he came running back down the trail and they, uh, they packed up and left that camp that day, um, and started paddling toward, uh, back toward base camp. And on their last night, they had a rock thrown at them in the exact same spot that we did at the pinch there. So I thought it was really interesting. And I started thinking about, him saying that it was nine feet tall and i thought about that night in my hammock because i would not thought about the size so much really i guess so much had happened and that as a rule of thumb i string my my hammock pretty high i just always do it i like to sleep pretty up off the ground and so usually i'll string the the ends of it as high as i can reach and then that way the middle part is almost eye level for me and i'm like six two um that way when i'm in it I'm almost at my own eye level, basically, when I'm laying in the hammock. I was thinking about that, and if I hit this thing in the chest, and the chest was up at six feet, then I had to put the head at eight or nine. And I just not thought about it in those terms until I heard about, you know, somebody saying a nine-foot creature. And, yeah, we just kind of right lost for words. But through those next couple of weeks, we kept having crews come off, uh, off from that area that had had heard screams or had rocks thrown at them or um i don't think there was any other sightings i think that was the only sighting but just people kept coming back with these stories and the thing you have to remember is we're not in communication out there um the best communication we have is a satellite phone that might work if you really need it and that's if you're lucky we had no way to contact each other there was no way for these stories to spread because we couldn't even be in contact with each other on the water you can get fined for having more than nine people in your group so it was very strict that you don't talk to other groups. You don't stop and communicate with them. Uh, so, I mean, there's just, there's no way that, that all these people, you know, 
you know what I mean? It's just, yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Actually. Um, I wanted to ask you about the crying. Uh, yeah. w- w- did it sound like a woman crying or did it sound like a man crying? It sounded like a woman to me. Um, it was just a little softer and not a whimper, but just that in between kind of <laughs> like that kind of, yeah. um, and it just kept coming, you know, but it was just kind of a constant sound a little bit like that. And then it would stop. There was never any real cry to it, but definitely that kind of breathing rapid shuttered breathing. Uh, and then it would, there'd be nothing for a couple of seconds and then it would happen again. And that went on until it got into camp. Once it was in camp, it went completely silent until, you know, till I guess the next day, if it was the same one, I'm not sure. But, uh, but like I said, I didn't, when I, when I touched it, I didn't feel breast or anything on it. It felt like a, like a male's chest. So I don't know, maybe a juvenile. I have no idea. Yeah. It's interesting. It, it makes you wonder why it didn't hurt you. Almost like it was just curious on what in the world are you doing hanging in this thing? That's uh, what I was thinking too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, and the, and the interesting part is cause I, I still didn't know exactly <laughs> what to make of all of it until uh we were sitting around kind of probably a month or two later everything had calmed down the reports had stopped and we were sitting around in the base camp and we were talking about uh in the staff lodge just kind of talking about experiences and one of the the veteran staff had been there for years was kind of sitting over in the back of the room just had a smile on his face was chuckling and somebody finally you know asked him what he's laughing about and he said uh he said yeah it's about time somebody else saw him just like it wasn't news to him at all uh, that they were up there. Yeah, and that, and that's interesting. Yeah, it is. It's really interesting. Well, what, what's interesting is is this one. It almost makes you wonder. I mean, twenty two miles really isn't that far for these things, uh, but to oh, yeah. get have one come into camp, kind of stand over the top of you, and then take off, and, and we can assume it's probably a Sasquatch. I don't. I don't think it was a bear. Um, but th- then to get a different type of behavior as you guys are going down the river, um, you know, that that boulder would have, you know, even in a boat, man, you could sink a boat throwing a <laughs> bowling, by, bowling ball size uh, rock towards a boat. Oh, most um, definitely. And, you know, and, and you see the strength of them, too. I know what you mean. Like the, the night I had a log thrown at my head, um, I, I was like, wow, this thing really had some force behind it. Just like that, you know, what man's going to throw a bowling ball size rock? And launch it in the air like that. It's just you know right. I don't think it's possible right. unless it's a big man out there. Interesting. Have you have you been back to that area since you had this encounter? No, unfortunately not. Um, I was only up there doing a summer internship. Um, yes, I went when I was seventeen and did an expedition myself as a scout. And nothing happened. Nothing like that at all. But yeah, I was only there for a summer. I had planned to go back, and then uh, it kind of fell through. So no, that's it, man. That was that was my one summer up there. I'd like to go back. For sure. Yeah. And then the other guy saying he saw a nine foot tall gorilla go running through, you know, while he's trying to use the bathroom. Did the scoutmaster ever come out and say what he had seen or did he just kind of smirk and say, yeah, they're real? No, he never he never really talked too much about it. I know I've heard uh, heard a couple of stories because he he also runs winter expeditions up there, which is actually dog sledding and snowshoeing um, on the frozen lakes. And I know he has a couple of stories about um, finding prints in the snow pretty big ones um i'm not really sure on measurements or anything but um or even if he got pictures but uh i don't know i'd have to ask him i'll see if i can get in contact with him yeah and you know the guy that saw the nine foot tall gorilla i mean that really makes no no sense you said this happened in minnesota yeah northern minnesota yeah there's no gorillas in in northern minnesota (laughs) yeah uh but what a terrible time to run into one when you're you know Trying to do Hands your business. Down, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well we're, we're a good place, honestly, because then if you crap yourself, you're, you're in the right place. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, and, and and so is that what got you interested in this field, in the topic of Bigfoot, just this whole incident? Yeah, definitely. It is. Um, and I've been pretty lucky. I mean, my uh, in, in school, I studied um, outdoor recreation and outdoor ed, so a lot of work I've done has been, you know, guide style or camp counselor style work. Um, so I've actually had a really good platform to, to tell the story and I don't know, people kind of love it. And it's like the one, the one area I can work in and tell that story and not, cause I've tried to tell it, you know, at the bar after a, a day in the kitchen and people are like, man, this guy's nuts. 
Yeah, not as crazy is, as it, they, you know. they might think, though. Uh, a lot yeah. of people have these type of encounters a lot, especially hunters and, uh, you know, guides, people out hiking. There's a, right. And it makes you wonder if, you know, obviously you guys are going downriver. The thing I never understand about the rock throwing incident is why? You know, if you're floating down a river, you're moving out of an area. Why throw a rock at someone like that? Just to make it right. make yourself known. What was your take on it? You know, I think um, I think the whole time, you know, we were too close. I think maybe, and because so many crews were coming back from that area, I think maybe that area got crowded just with people. And uh, because it's it's not super far out from the base camp, so you are prone to run into more people. You know the closer you are to the motor trail. So, you know, um, yeah, I think my theory potentially is that the one that came up on me while I was asleep, like you said, it just was surprised and I startled it. And then maybe it, you know, went out and said, all right, there's people everywhere. And maybe they were continuing to maybe kind of chauffeur us out in a way, uh, from their, from their area. Um, just in terms of maybe there'd be multiple ones with, screams and the rock throwing but i have no idea who can say yeah that makes sense it, it sounds like they were frustrated that you were in the area you know with the Definitely. screaming you mentioned and then the um the rock throwing stuff um what did the kids think were they just freaking out i mean i i think you did a right thing i mean staying out in the middle of the lake even though these things can swim um yeah. i i think you did the right thing but what did the kids what did the kids say to you um they well i mean you know half of them were super interested and you know wanted to sharpen some sticks and go find it and the other half were just wanted to go home and <laughs> um but yeah like i said we didn't really i didn't talk much to the crew about it because the topic of bigfoot had not really come up at that point you know at that point it was still just strange happenings you know from our standpoint because i had not learned about the sighting yet so it didn't really click until after they had already left but I think one kid said, uh, he was like, maybe a UFO dropped it from the sky or something. I remember him saying that about the rock. That was like <laughs> the one theory I think any of them had. Um, and at the time, that was as good as anything, you know. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea what to think. What do you think that these things are, Chuck? What's your own personal uh, opinion? What do, what do you think Sasquatch is? I, I mean, I definitely think they're animals. Um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not not with the, you guys call the flute player crowd. Yeah, I think they're... I think they're animals. I think they're really smart animals, way smarter than people are ready to give them credit for. Um, I think that's why they obviously remain so elusive because they know better. They know better. Yeah, you definitely could be right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, share the encounter. You have to let me know. I know you do a lot of guide work and you do a lot of different things. You're out in the wild a lot. Uh, you have to let me know if anything new happens while you're out there, will you? Yeah, I definitely will. Um, if you got just a couple of minutes, I've got one other thing that happened in North Carolina um, that was just curious, kind of interesting. You got, you got time? Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. Um, so I was with a buddy. We were uh, – so this was right near Boone, North Carolina. Uh, so this is this is in western North Carolina in the Appalachians. And we were going out camping. I was probably – this might have been – this was probably right before – I actually went out there. It's probably the year before I went up to Minnesota. Uh, we were going out to find a waterfall called Little Lost Cove Creek Falls. Um, and it's, it is pretty hidden. Um, and we missed the trail. We got entirely lost. So we finally were coming back up. We were getting near our camp. We were back on, on course and the sun was starting to go down and we were up kind of on a, a trail that was running up kind of on a ridgeline, not quite a ridgeline. We weren't on the ridge yet, but we were kind of on a switchback with it. We just had a real steep, bluff on the side and there was a creek kind of down at the bottom and it was kind of twilight you could see a little bit and we heard this just these huge footsteps down in the creek uh just kind of stomping around like somebody was just really stomping in the water and we stopped and kind of looked down and just straining through the dark you could see a really large upright figure uh down in this creek and it was just kind of stomping around and being loud we didn't really know what to do we were just we were over it we were lost we were tired um we were ready to get back to camp so i was like all right man let's run because we didn't have a weapon or anything um so like we just we, let's book it so we just ran back to camp uh and didn't investigate further but that night we had you know just uh twigs snapping like branches 
breaking, but it didn't sound like sounded more like when you like break a dead branch off of a tree for firewood or something like it had more of a, a pop quality to it. Like when you break pine branches, they, they pop. Yeah. It kind of sounds like, like a gunshot almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, we had that happening off in the woods all around us for most of the night. Um, along with just something scurrying around, we ended up sleeping in the, in the vehicle actually. But that next morning we got up and I went to get breakfast out of the, out of the bear hang and found that the bear hang had been taken down but not ripped down. It had been untied and dropped down and the bag was open and all of the fresh produce was gone. Like anything smellable, like our fruit was gone. I think there was two apples and a banana. We had some blueberries in there and, but we also had canned goods and all the canned goods were still there. Cause at first I was like, I was like, I guess somebody just came into our campsite and stole our stuff, but why wouldn't they just take the whole thing? Like take the bag and the rope too, you know? And I, I'd never thought about it until I started listening to you guys' show and, hearing about them getting into like chicken pens and things like that with, you know, door latches and locks and something that you need thumbs for. And then it kind of clicked. I was like, Oh, it's like maybe, you know, maybe that happened to us too. Um, and we got robbed by Sasquatch. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, they, they tend to do that. I actually had a guy on, gosh, I can't even tell you how long ago he had the bear hang thing. Like you're talking about where they keep all their food up high, you know, away from so bears won't come. And he woke right. up in the middle of the night and he told me that a gorilla had untied it and actually had the bag and was digging through the bag and taking stuff. Huh. And and he was um, – I said, you, you sure it was a gorilla? And he goes, well, it looked like a gorilla. And they made eye contact and it didn't leave. It kept grabbing stuff out of the bag and then it dropped the bag on the ground and then walked off with – you know, like you said, produce and not really canned goods, but just food that they had in there. Um, just walked yeah. off with it. Uh, how high up was that bear hang? Um, let's see, the bag itself was probably, uh, I'd say, sixteen feet up off the ground. It was up there. Yeah, that's really far up there. And so, it's something had untied it and actually taken the food out. That's fascinating. Well, yeah, I mean, you really have to. Bears honestly aren't that bad about getting into food is really raccoons that that's why it was up so high because those raccoons will they'll climb down the rope and get into your bag but they'll knock it off from up top and the rope will still be in there it'll still be in the tree hanging down you know or they'll like just slip the bag through the knot or hang on it until something comes untied or you know but this thing had been untied from the base of the tree and lowered the way you would take it down uh, which i thought was interesting what did your friend think that you're with he uh he's never talked about it a whole lot um you know i'm not really sure because i didn't know what to think either i i still thought that i thought it was kind of a blair witch situation when there was some hillbillies out in the you know out in the bush just messing with us um and i guess that's kind of what i guess i had him convinced on that too because i didn't know what else to think nothing else really made any sense so does it worry you at all going out there? I mean, and having these experiences, you know, with this thing in North Carolina and the thing that happened in Minnesota, um, I know just from talking to you briefly, you're you're an outdoors guy. Does it worry you at all going out there, especially at night? Because, I mean, now that you know I mean, that they're real? Yeah, you always have it in the back of your mind. But, I mean, it definitely makes me more, more vigilant. Even when I drive at night on a country road, I'm always looking, you know. Um, it just really makes you aware when you know they're out there and what they can do. Because so I've dealt with bears. I, you know, I hear a lot of people say that like they've been in the woods for however long and they've only ever seen a bear once. I've seen a ton of bears. Um, I don't know what it is about me, but bears seem to to find me. You know, bears are one thing. I can deal with bears, but yeah, having that that kind of weird just thing in the back of your mind, like you know, because you don't have a frame of reference for it at all, so it's. Yeah, I oh, think it's the to... the unpredictability of it. You know, with a bear, a bear is pretty predictable in what it's going to do. Yeah, and you can yeah, and you yeah, can kind absolutely. of adjust on your behavior based on a bear, just because they're they are predictable. You know, like here in Washington State, I've said it a million times, but here in Washington State, man, they they're skittish. They will. I've seen bears run, and oh, it, yeah. you don't even really have to do anything if they sense that you're in the area. They are gone. They want nothing to do with you. Oh yeah, I've seen yeah because we have black bears where I am too, and it's I mean they're um as well as back home in North Carolina. And I've only ever had one black bear charge me and I hit it in the face with a canoe paddle and it took off. So, I mean, they're, you know, they're not, yeah, they're just kind of, 
like big dogs almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. And, and and for them to walk, I mean, for this thing to walk up and basically stand over the top of you while you're in your hammock, that's pretty ballsy, man. That's very ballsy yeah. behavior. You know, a bear might stumble over there if, if it, it. I don't even know if a bear would come up to you like that in a hammock, unless it didn't realize you were there. Well, um, actually, it, it has happened. I had um, it was probably two two or three months back. I was camped here in Colorado, and I woke up with three bears around my hammock. I mean, one was so close I could have reached out and kissed it goodnight. But no kidding, huh? Yeah, the black so, bears. I mean, was it black? Uh, black bears. Yeah. yeah, they were they were cinnamon colored, but they're black bears. Um. But I mean, you know, it's, but they're obvious. It was obvious that it was a bear because I, I heard it. I knew it before I opened my eyes because I heard the sniffing and I just knew it was a bear because I've heard bears sniff around before. And it just, I was like, yep, we got a bear. Um, and then that's when I opened my eyes and saw the other two. But, and what did they know. do? Did they leave? Did they, yeah, leave? they just sniffed, they sniffed through camp and checked out the back of the truck and then they left. But yeah, you know, they're obvious. It was obvious they were there. This thing, when it was standing next to my hammock, it was silent other than its breathing alone but i mean I yeah wanted, i wanted to ask you about the breathing how would you describe that breathing um so i've actually heard a couple of people and i think you guys actually described it too like with the where you can hear the inhale and the exhale yeah yeah kind of the <laughs> just like it was very congested sounding breathing but it was just you know you could hear it in and out um kind, it was of, kind of a constant sound did it remind you of like a sick bear like a sick animal a little bit yeah 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 it did it sounded like yeah just something with bad chest ingestion really yeah and i had a scream i wish i could play it at the moment i don't have it loaded up um but there's a scream i wanted you to listen to and see if it was close the scream that you heard was it how would you describe it um i know like for me when i was in texas and i heard the thing screaming at us i mean i i said like a demonic scream i mean it sounded it sounded pit. It sounded like a pissed off woman, kind kind of. I guess maybe that's a bad way to describe it. Um, how would you describe the scream that you heard, though? Um, it kind of had almost like you said, kind of a almost like a demonic quality because it had such low tones in it. But I think part of that description comes from being able to feel it a little bit too, because that just kind of I don't know. It doesn't sit right. Um, but in terms of like the rest of the sound, it was almost kind of that you hear people talk about that blend of like a lion and an elephant and maybe like a little bit of wild boar actually in there. I mean, it just was so many weird sounds kind of rolled into one, but nothing I'd ever heard before specifically. But yeah, it did have, it did have a bit of a, a lion's roar type quality to it. But it also was not one consistent, like one of those nice long notes that you hear sometimes in recordings. It was kind of all over the place to scream. I know, like in Texas, what? So if you hear, like, let's say there's a woman that just screams, it's one note, it's one constant. You know, when we as humans scream, it's pretty much a constant note. Um, yeah. And I don't know if you experienced this, but when I was in Texas and I heard it screaming, it was, it was like, 10 different notes all in one, but it was one big scream, but it was like up and down, up and down, really high, really low, up and down. You know, that's a terrible way to describe it. I don't know if no, that makes sense. No, but I sense. know what you mean because that's, yeah, that's exactly what I experienced too. It was, yeah, it had, it was like listening to almost like multiple pitches maybe. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Time, it, yeah, strange, strange sound. Yeah, not um, like a, you know, like on a cougar, even a cougar screams, it's one note. Um, yeah. And that'll... You know, cougars make weird noises, but um, they have one note when they scream. And when this thing screamed, it, it like I said, it was like multiple notes. It was um, it was the same sound, but it was multiple notes. I don't know if that makes any sense or not. Yeah, it definitely does make sense if, to somebody who's heard it. It totally makes sense. And and do you think that it was screaming at you because it was irritated you guys were there? I mean, that, is that what your impression of the scream was? Uh, maybe so. I mean, it. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure because the I feel like we were on that island all day. I don't know. It just seemed like like if there was something on the island, we would have known that it was there fairly soon after we got there. You could walk from one end of the island to the other in five minutes. I mean, it was tiny. Um, and the boys had already gone out and explored the whole thing. So it just it does seem like it followed us there. 
maybe not the same one from from the hammock experience but maybe another one followed us there and was continuing to try to usher us away and on down the river so uh yeah when you're talking about north carolina too um and hearing that that popping sound you know sometimes um hunters and i've had different hunters explain it to me and they they said it sounds like gunshots but it's not a gunshot um and it's that really strong the the branches in order to make a sound like that with wood you have to have a pretty thick piece of wood that you're going to snap in order to get that pop sound and the strength you have to have to do that i don't think there's a person out there that could do that you know what i mean well, I mean, I've, I've broken some, you know, that make that loud pop, but it's once it pops, it's enough to throw you off your feet. Like you'll almost go flying backwards when it finally gives. But that's, yeah, it's exactly like that. I mean, they were just, um, they're big and it was, you know, it takes, it takes me, if I was going to break one of those off and I have to work on it for a minute, it was pretty constant. I mean, one would snap and then another one would snap and then hear another one, you know, kind of off on the opposite direction because we were camped in a round clearing and so it was like you know you'd hear one at 12 o'clock and you'd hear one at six o'clock and there was just coming from all directions it sounded like it's hard to really tell with being in the mountains sound can be funny but yeah it, it sounded like we were surrounded yeah and you probably yeah. were and it's interesting that they came in for the food as soon as you left you know the it's like the old saying they're campsite robbers you know they they come in and take your stuff. I mean, you hear old reports like that. Although you can read them online, of yeah. where uh, old miners will be out and these things will come in and rob them, take their stuff. I think even um, Albert Otzman talked about that about uh, them going through. Yeah, his- I was actually I was just listening to his story on um, Astonishing Legends yesterday. <laughs> yeah, and and he talked about that in his own encounter. He talked about um, how I think. It, Man, I even did a show on it. Um, I think before he was actually taken a couple nights in a row, something had gone through his bag and was taking food. It was taking uh, different things that he had packed for the trip, um, right, but hadn't right. taken the bag. It actually just opened it. Was the like ba- yeah. Prunes, I think. It was like a bag of prunes and some flour. Yeah, I think you're right. It was prunes and it was flour and there, it was something else. I forget what they call it. It's an old, um, I want to say Taft. That's not right, though. Um, but it's like a hard bread. And it was taking that, and it took a bunch of stuff. So uh, it's definitely a behavior that's been reported for a long, long time that they will come in. And, and thank God, you know, if you're in an area, I would hope they would come through and just take your stuff and leave you alone. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I'd probably let them have it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. It was an awesome encounter. I mean, kind of a terrifying encounter. I, I don't blame you for, um, like I said, the, the, did you guys go out on the night stroll uh, down the river because of the screaming and you were just trying to get out of there or was that basically, yeah, that was kind of my plan was to give them a day. Cause uh, you know, the night after the screams, we didn't really sleep much at all. We were up, up by the fire till almost three in the morning already. And then we maybe got an hour. And so I just wanted to give them kind of a change up the schedule and give them a day to sleep. And then it would be our last night anyway. Um, and so, you know, we'd sleep during the day and be awake through the night and moving. Um, and they really liked that idea. So that was the whole reason for doing that. Well, I appreciate you sharing it, man. I appreciate you taking the time to come on and, and share it. I really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I'll uh, be sure to let you guys know if I have anything happen here in Colorado. Yeah, please do. Please do. And I'll be down in Colorado probably in a couple of months. We'll have to hook up. I'll buy you a beer. Very cool, man. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, thanks again. Yeah, take it easy, Wes. And that's it for tonight, everyone. Remember, if you've had an encounter, shoot me an email. My email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. I will be back on Sunday for the members. Until next time, everyone, have a great night.